relationship is customized for what you want and need to ensure your business is as efficient as it should be. We will evaluate your business and provide solutions you will benefit from. We will coach you through each step of the process from start to finish. Contact us today, Parker Mellinger, focusing on where you're going, not where you've been. Legacy Diamond and Gems is so thankful for your patronage in 2022, making it their most successful year ever. Striving for excellence at Legacy Diamond and Gems is always their top priority, and they are taking important steps this year to improve their overall efficiency and preparing for their complete store remodel. They are improving their service with new store hours, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, and 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. Close Sundays and Mondays, Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. There's lots of fish under that ice just waiting for you, and they can be worth some cash. Get your rods and reels ready for the third annual Rotary Club Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Desmet Saturday, February 25th. You'll have a chance to win the $25,000 grand prize and prizes in four categories. $1,000 for the largest fish, $300 for second place, $200 for third, and $250 tag fish. Tickets available during Derby Day at the lake, also at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports in Sheridan, or online at SheridanRotary.org. And oh, by the way, helicopter rides will be available as well, weather permitting. Sheridan's Rotary Ice Fishing Derby at Lake DeSmet, Saturday, February 25th, brought to you by Tegler & Associates, Sheridan Media, Interior Images, Century 21 BHJ Realty, Precision Excavation, Aaron Waddell, DYT Creative Marketing Solutions, Dawson Megan Power Sales & Associates of Century 21 BHJ Realty, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, Hammer Chevrolet, Elevate Financial, and Wyoming Aviation Association. Considering a mortgage loan? You have a new option right here in Sheridan. Tia Jaffe and the American Liberty Mortgage. Tia and her team offer years of personalized expert service and super competitive rates with a variety of home loan options to choose from. So whether you are purchasing or refinancing, they have something for every stage of your life. Give Tia Jaffe a call today, 307-214-8369, or visit her online at wildloans.com. NMLS number 636438. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Downtown Sheridan Association is receiving these funds for a random draw. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whiting. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I am Floyd Whiting and this morning I am joined by the Game and Fish Public Information Specialist, Christina Schmidt. Good morning, Christina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Uh, now, have things been down at the department as uh, we're, kind of, I mean, we're still in that phase of winter that's it's really heavy and last week uh you know i put out a, a story from the game and fish that said you know hey let's take it easy on some of the animals let's not stress them out because it's it's pretty tough on on mm -hmm. that wildlife right now you Definitely. guys you're estimating some heavy death toll um well the, the, 
they're monitoring. Um, the press release you're referring to came out of the western side of the state where yeah. they are seeing some pretty significant uh, things. But annually, our biologists and wardens do keep an eye on winter conditions um, and, and what's going on with the animals. So, you know, as we know, we've had some pretty significant snows. Um, and... You know, a soft snow, you know, it still takes effort to dig through a, a soft snow to, to access uh, forage. But boy, you know, when it melts and then freezes and gets that crusty top, that's that's where it gets really, you know, tough for animals. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, it, it looks like we got some warm temperatures coming up. Hopefully, you know, some some good melting of, of that and, and open up some some uh, forage for critters. But absolutely, it's it's always a tough time for animals. Um you know, really, if you think about it, they put on weight, you know, they're eating good forage. It's high quality, good quantity, spring, summer, fall. And then you hit winter and there's not much of it. And what there is, is very you poor. you got to really it's work poor for poor quality. And really, they are losing body condition throughout the winter. They're trying to make it to spring green up to, you know, boost their body condition back up. So, um yeah, we, we do encourage folks to give them space. Don't stress them unnecessarily. You know, every time they have to run or or try to get away from you, they're wasting energy um, yeah. that they need to make it through the winter. Um, and same with pets. You know, we encourage folks, make sure um, your pets are, are leashed um, and don't let them chase wildlife. We do see that every year, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they can't catch them, injure them, kill them, um, especially younger deer. So uh, we encourage folks just to be mindful if you're out recreating or working or, or whatnot to make sure you're not, um, you know, causing them undue stress. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a hard time of year. Yeah, it's it's winter's tough on everyone. It, yeah, for and, sure. <laughs> and when it comes to a survival situation, you have to think about the energy that you're putting out to get the energy, the possible energy back in. Right, right. Uh, and and I can all, <laughs> just let's just say I'm happy I live in a house. <laughs> all right, now uh, we are one year, and I didn't even know this until you alerted me to it. We're one year into roadkill collection, so yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, this wasn't like a pilot program or anything. This is something that's going to be around. Correct. So what did we learn in that year? Um, you know, I think it's gone fairly well. Uh, there's been uh, a few things wardens are seeing. Um, you know, just we want to remind folks of of how the how it all operates, um, just because we're seeing um, a few, few violations here and there um, statewide. So... Um, there's definitely some rules you need to follow. First off, if you think you ever would want to collect roadkill or report an accident, and we'll talk about how you know you can do either or, um, download the Y.511 app. That is how this collection takes place, is actually through that app. So download that. Make sure you have it on your phone. If you do have an accident, uh, you can report it on that 511 app and it'll take you through some questions like where you are, what did you hit, uh, things like that. 
And then it will ask if you want to collect it. If you don't, you hit no, and all that does is is log a report that, you know, it's data that can be used later. Like, hey, we're having, you know, higher than expected collisions here. You know, it, it's yeah. usable information. Absolutely. Um, if you do want to collect it when you hit yes, um, you know, it will give you permission or not based on, you know, where you are and, and what you hit. So, um, you know, there are specific species you can pick up, some that you cannot uh, and there are regulations in terms of where, um, and most of those, well, all of those were set up for safety reasons. Um, so you cannot pick up roadkill off interstates. You know, that's pretty dangerous. You can't field dress along um, a roadway uh, construction zones, any kind of, you know, that's already, you know, kind of a dangerous situation to have people, you know, stopped and, 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 and now field yeah. dressing a deer. So, so there's a few things that, you know, you have to, you know, that are out of bounds in terms of collecting roadkill. But um, you do need to go through that app, um, not call the regional office, not call a game warden. Um, and um, one thing that, that people ask a lot is, well, I hit, you know, a buck or a bull elk or something like, can I keep the antlers? Uh, you actually have to take the whole animal. You cannot take a part. You can't take, you know, just the antlers. You can't take the back straps or, or whatnot. You do have to collect that entire animal, remove it, go home, field dress, uh, salvage what you can, basically. Uh, and then you have to follow through um, for deer, elk, moose, uh, chronic wasting disease regulations. Yeah. So that, that carcass needs to go into an approved landfill. You can't then go dump it somewhere else. Um, you do still have to follow this regulation. So, you know, again, if it's something you think you would do, um, and, and I've got some numbers here that, you know, definitely people have been taking advantage and using the, this new program. Um, you know, just keep in mind, be familiar with the rules and what you need to do if you collect it and after you collect it. Um, but yeah, so far, uh, the numbers I've heard, um, 115 pronghorn, uh, 412 deer, wow. 69 elk, 31 moose, and one bison. So, so those are ones that people have requested a permit to collect, which I thought was pretty interesting too. So that is really interesting. One bison. One bison. Wow. Yeah. Could you imagine hitting a bison? That's huge. Yeah, I'll bet that car suffered, or car, pickup truck, whatever it was, suffered a lot of oh, damage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you have an accident, that's a scary thing, oh. and, and you know, an animal that size would certainly be a pretty scary experience. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so just make sure that you've got that app, folks. Uh, the animal, yeah. I mean, once you actually claim it, it's all yours. So then you have to be responsible and do the right thing. And uh, make sure, you know, it's with CWD around and, and how fast it can transmit, it's just the best thing to do is to dispose of that carcass, uh, you know, properly. Right, um, right. We, we got to save our our, <laughs> our livestock. I mean, our, our wildlife here in the state of Wyoming. Right, right. It's, it's I, I worry about CWD just because of the spread. We really think about CWD. How bad is the situation? Like if you were going to tell me just it's bad, real bad, one to five type of deal in the state of Wyoming itself. Well, you know, it's, it, I don't think I could put a severity on it. I would say, you know, definitely 
people need to educate themselves about it and recognize that it's it's going to be a long term issue with yeah. us for sure. Um, and that, like you said, there are things we can do um, to help mitigate the spread. And you know, proper carcass handling is is very important. Um, so that's why during hunting season, you know, there's pretty specific rules. Also, you know, hey, you can. Um, you know, you can leave, once you've removed all the edible portions of the animal, you can leave what remains of the carcass at the site of the kill. Um, but you can't move that. You can't, you know, take it home, process it and, and go dump it later, you know, on and your property or it, yeah. someone else's property or along roadway or on state land. Um, cause you are potentially moving, uh, those prions around. So, um, yeah, definitely there are things we can do. And, and, um, you know, I think for the most part, we see really good, uh, compliance. I think people really kind of understand that this is something that they can do to help and, yeah. and they do. So, um, yeah, it's a good thing. And, you know, I know Sheridan landfill does, I, uh, I think, uh, Johnson County might still, I knew that they, they did it one time, but I'm not absolutely for sure anymore, but allow you to take those carcasses in. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and at no charge, right? Um, Sheridan landfill very graciously accepts them at no charge during the hunting season so um, you just need to get it there uh johnson county and i think a lot of the other area landfills in northeast wyoming will take them for regular weight charge which comes to very very little money right yeah um you know and i think over in gillette they've said you know residents get one free load a month to uh take to the landfill where they don't get charged for anything and they said that could be that, it, it, it could that be could carcass, be it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely we have a lot of good support with uh, landfills around here taking those carcasses um, either for free or very little charge. So, um, And then, of course, we've had carcass dumpsters around right. in some places to try to make it even easier for, for folks. Um, and where those have been placed, all of those are being handled by a professional sanitation company that then takes them directly to the landfill. So, um you know, whether you're taking it to the landfill yourself or putting it in the dumpster, it is ending up where it needs to be. And those are getting good use. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had very good success. I was a little concerned maybe that we would get some inappropriate use of right. the dumpster, yeah. you know, people, you know, putting Regular trash, garbage, residential yeah. garbage, things like that. And we've had very little of that. So again, it's been really successful. People are using it for what it's for. And, um, you know, hopefully we're making it easier for folks to, to properly dispose of those. And, and, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone who's used it and used it properly. It may seem like a small thing, but it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's our way of helping out to help curb this CWD problem that, uh, is, is, throughout the entire state of Wyoming, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, you know, I would encourage folks, we have a lot of good information on our website. We have maps, we have kind of the history of it, what we know about it, um, lots of good information on our website. And certainly I would encourage folks to go there and read about it. Um, we did have um, Hank Edwards, who is our laboratory supervisor down in Laramie, came and gave a talk at Sheridan College last fall. Oh, and uh, you can go on to the college's website. Um, you know, they do those science lecture series. And so they record all of them and, and you could find his on there. And he's amazing. He's done 20 years of research on this and and, and was very knowledgeable. He's very, very interesting to listen to. So that is that's 
I would say a great resource as well. And another place that if you don't know much about it and you want to understand the problem a little clearer, boy, there's probably not another person in the state who knows more about that situation. Yeah, he's he's very knowledgeable um, about a lot of wildlife diseases, um, but uh, chronic wasting disease is one he's been involved with for a long time. Great place to start. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue with our Wyoming Game and Fish Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM, Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Downtown Sheridan Association is receiving these funds for a random draw. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Hey, you. Yeah, you with this scafoozy house. It looks like some sketchy things been going on over there. In the yard, it looks like you've been burying things in it. I'm just saying, you ain't going to get no real estate agent to take you seriously. You can't sell at Fizbo, as is. It's a kiss of death in real estate. Trust me, I know. You want to get it sold? I know a guy, Devin at Wild Renovation. He'll come out, take a look, and make you an offer you can't refuse. Find him at wildrenovation.com or on Facebook. You know, back in the day, eggs and toilet paper were so plentiful that we used to throw them at the homes of our enemies. And the same goes today for your 4 before side-by-side and snowmobile. They're no longer able to be tuned up by you or fixed by you. And if you do do it, you won't do it right. Enter Hando Service Center, where if you can't get your machine into the shop, Joel will come and get it, fix it up, tune it up, and bring it back easy peasy, non greasy. Hando Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. The Wyo Theater stage will ignite February 10th at 7 p.m. with the genre defying musical trio Take Three. out of the practice rooms of the top conservatories. Take Three lives at the intersection where pop rock and classical fusion collide. Their flair for the wild and unexpected give them an unmistakable style that is infectious to their audiences. This is definitely one you won't want to miss. Take Three at the Wild. Friday, February 10th at 7 p.m. Get your tickets today at the Wyo Theater box office or online at wyotheater.com. The Sheridan Wild Winter Rodeo Guide is in the center section of this week's Country Bounty. Pull it out and let it be your guide to all of the Wild Winter Rodeo activities. You'll find a schedule of events leading up to Ski Join on February 18th, as well as spectator tips and tricks, Ski Join facts, places to eat during the event, a list of great sponsors for the SheridanMedia.com live stream, and for the event itself. Check it out. Center section, this week's Country Bounty, and get ready for another fun-filled Sheridan Wild Winter Rodeo event. Special thanks to Sheridan Travel and Tourism and the Sheridan Wild Rodeo Board. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guest this morning is Game and Fish Public Information Specialist, 
Christina Schmidt. Now, we were talking about the uh, 511 app, the app that you need on your phone to collect roadkill. It's been about one year since this program began. Looks like it's uh, a rousing success. We do have a caller. Go ahead, caller. You're on Public Pulse. Thank you. I just have a question. If, if somebody doesn't have a smartphone or be able to have an app, how can they join the program? That's or is that possible? possible? I could barely hear it. If you don't have a, a smartphone. Yeah, if you, if you don't, don't have, have a smartphone, smart, how, how do you join? You know, I was so actually one of the questions we get with this is even if I have a phone, I'm out of cell service, which, of course, can happen in Wyoming. Yeah. So it does still work when you're out of service. So I would say if you don't have um, that, then call the regional office. You know, if, if, if you're capable of... Um, Getting that app installed, do it. Um, I think it would work on most phones. It sounds like Apple, Android, all of those, it works. Um, but, yeah, uh, for the caller, I, I think probably the best thing to do would be call uh, the regional office or game warden at that time and just say, hey, I don't have the technology to yeah. to have that app. Anyone else, they're going to say, hey, if you're if you're able do it through the app. Yeah. Um, that's that's the best way to do it. Because, again, all of that is data that's collected and used, um, and and that is your uh, legal verification to pick up that animal. So um, if, if you can't, I understand, give a call and, and, and see what might be able to be arranged. And, you know, uh, thank you very much, Keller. That was an excellent question. Uh, I didn't even think about it, but, like, my father uh, doesn't use smartphones he's still got one of those old flip phones and he would be in that situation too uh and and i didn't even think about that's an excellent question sounds like we've got another caller go ahead you're on public pulse yeah good morning um i was wondering why they extended uh sheep and moose draw till uh april 17th for the put in and then the may 4th is the draw did you happen to did you hear that one just barely uh so why did they extend, uh, I believe it was sheep and, and moose draw? Collar? Yes. Yeah, why did they extend that? Um, I guess I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I do know uh, we did some changes um, to some of the applications just to allow folks more time to... Um, make adjustments to their applications. So, uh, for example, non-resident elk right now, you know, that was January 1st to the 31st that you had to put in, and then they gave people time to modify or withdraw. And some of that might be tied to season setting because our season setting doesn't happen until uh, March and doesn't get approved until April. And this gives people time to look at the final season. In so April, any- that gets approved by the commission. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Got his answer, or his question answered. Yeah, that's and actually thing. that's one of the things we're going to talk about yeah, is the season setting. Matter means. of fact, why don't we dive right into that? Uh, now, we can touch on the Conservation Stamp Art Show, but uh, since we're already here, let's go ahead and talk about this uh, season setting is going to happen. Can you remind folks... Uh, what these season setting meetings are, I know most hunters out there know them very well, but uh, if anyone has joined the state in the last year and they're hunters, 
this is where to be. Correct. So wildlife biologists and wardens use, you know, collect data throughout the, the year, population surveys, hunter harvest surveys, um, all these different bits of information, visiting with hunters, visiting with landowners, and begin to craft seasons, proposed seasons for the fall. Um, and so every year in March is the time that we have the discussion with the public. So they're putting together seasons proposals. So that could be anything um, that could be changing or adjusting length of the season, changing opening days or closing days, um, reducing or increasing number of licenses, antler point restrictions. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could be proposed. And so uh, basically our wardens and biologists work together. They put together these proposals. And then we have a series of open houses where we invite the public to come and see the proposals, ask questions, give feedback, have a conversation. Uh, and again, uh, like I was explaining to the caller, so these proposals are then provided to the commission uh, and they review and approve in April at their April meetings. So, uh, and sometimes things do get changed in, mm -hmm. in that interim period. Um, and uh, yeah, so some of the applications you can, w w even though you may have to get your application in by a certain time, there is then a modifier withdraw date where um, hopefully you can look at these proposals, look at maybe what happens at the April meeting and say, oh, I want to make a change based on what the new actually got yeah. uh, approved, if that makes sense. So there's there's a period of time to go in and make changes or, or withdraw your application if something doesn't um, work with uh, what you put in force. So you put in an application, uh, maybe something changes in the season and you realize I'm going to be out of town. Yeah, it could could be. Yeah, could be anything could like be that. Anything. So, yeah, it gives you a little time then to to see, you know, because, again, what what they put forward, what the department puts forward are proposals and then the commission uh, because after basically what happens with these open houses is you can then make formal comments to the commission. Um, so anything uh, we have at these open houses, we have written comment forms. So you can write down your comments. We send all of those to the commission for them to review. Um, you can also submit online your comments um, to the commissioners and they read all of these. And so based on feedback that happens, you know, between March and April, commissioners may may choose to make some changes to uh, proposals, things like that. If so, they were to get a comment or, or a, enough comments that, you know what, hunters don't seem to like this or that, let's alter it or let's change it or let's remove it. I mean, they take that into serious consideration. They do. You know, people always say, well, you know, I make a comment and it goes nowhere. They they review all of them. Um, yeah. They they really do take it seriously. They look um, and, and see, yeah, what questions or concerns do the public have. And, and uh, so, yeah, definitely feedback is appreciated. Uh, these open houses, like I said, are conversations that you can have locally with your biologist and warden um, and um, then if you want from there you can provide a formal comment to the commissioner specifically. Now when it comes to the season setting meetings um, what's going to happen there if I if I attend those am I just 
being given information? Am I being told the proposals that are going to be made and brought up before the commission? Or can I offer ideas? I mean, what kind of conversations are had at the meetings? Well, a couple of things. So it used to be that we would print out all of the proposals. You would come to the open houses, grab those, sit down, and it's an open house. It truly is a it's not a formal presentation. People are sitting around visiting at different tables. You can go up and ask someone something. Um, we've also, in the past couple of years, started putting the proposals, a, a um, video, actually. Uh, each district biologist puts together a little video, a uh, PowerPoint presentation for their specific oh, wow. area. And, uh, you know, because we have three different biologist districts in the Sheridan region. So the Sheridan region goes all the way over to Moorcroft and down to KC. And there are three biologists, Buffalo, Gillette, and Sheridan. So each of them have a set of hunt areas within their responsibility. um, And they put together, um, you know, it's usually a 10-minute, 15-minute PowerPoint saying, okay, for this hunt area, here's what I'm proposing and here's why and what we're seeing going on. So we're trying to get those out um, right around the time of the open houses or, or a little prior. So folks can actually look at that. Um, so it's, you know, going to be online and, and you could take a look at that. And you can still come to the open house and get the written, printed out proposals, read through them at that time, ask questions. So um, the open houses are pretty informal. They're uh, come when you can. Um, you know, we try to make it convenient for folks after work to stop in. Um, right. Everyone's got to have a everyone's, job, right? Everyone's yeah. got to work. So we try to do these in the evening. Um, and then, uh, so those open houses, the first one will be in KC, March 20th at 5 p.m. March 21st, Buffalo and Gillette will have an open house. Uh, Buffalo will run 5 to 7 at the library. Gillette will run four to six at the library. Uh, And then March 22nd at the Sheridan Game Fish Regional Office, that will be from four to seven. So within any time between four and seven, you can drop in, come in, have a conversation, ask questions. Uh, Then the final season setting meeting, and this is where there actually is a presentation done Mm -hmm. um, going over everything for the whole region. So Sheridan, the big meeting, meeting, they'll go over all of the proposals for everything. Um, That will be March 27th and that starts at 6 PM. Fantastic. All right. Now I don't have a lot of time with you, uh, probably only about a minute or two, but let's, uh, let's talk dates on this conservation stamp competition, the conservation stamp art show. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite things. Game and Fish has done it for years, um, and it's great because you actually reach out to artists all over the uh, the nation and say, "Paint me something pretty," and here's what to do. Correct. Yeah. So our conservation stamp every year features a different Wyoming animal. It could be a fish. Uh, it could be a mammal. Um, this year it is the beaver. And it is the 40th year of the conservation stamp oh, contest. So 40 years. Kind of, a, kind of a big deal. Uh, yes, and we invite artists to submit an original piece of artwork. Um, definitely go online. There's a whole um, couple of sheets of guidelines, you know, size. And uh, I think this year, it, you know, it's a horizontal format. Be kind of a you know, just some yeah. of those detail things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it has to just be an original it can be black and white. It can be color. Um, 
no photos, of course, no sculptures, anything like that. This is just an original uh, two-dimensional piece of artwork and uh, $30 per entry and pretty big deal if you win, for sure. Um, those get printed on um, conservation stamps. It used to be that those went on pretty much every license. You know, everyone had... You still have to purchase a conservation <laughs> yeah. stamp. Um, I think in 2020 we went away and just did digital, uh, but they do still print um, collector's editions of those. So basically full prints, a, a, a limited number of full prints oh, of wow. the winning image, uh, and then just collector stamp. Because a lot of people have been collecting these for oh. 40 decades years. of yeah. 40 years um so it, it's really a cool deal so this year it, it is the beaver um 30 per entry um and we do have a kids contest this year too for um kids in um all the way through high school and it's broken down by grade so like kindergarten through second third through fifth um and kids can either as individuals submit something or if there's any teachers that think it might be a fun classroom project they can uh get the group to to submit their entries. And, and again, all the rules for both of these for the adult contest and the kids contest, uh, you can find online. All right, Christina, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with me today. Yeah. And thank you for tolerating me digressing all the way through this. You're great. <laughs> You're fine. All right, when we come back, we're going to speak to the director of Goose Creek Transit. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share it. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Downtown Sheridan Association is receiving these funds for a random draw. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Sheridan College will host a performance by Wei Lua, world-renowned pianist, on Sunday, February 12th at 4 p.m. at the Whitney Center for the Arts. One of the most significant pianists of her generations, she's performed at many of the world's leading stages and now at Kennison Hall. It's a concert you won't want to miss. Tickets are 30 for adults, $20 for seniors and veterans, $10 for non-Sheridan college students. Visit sheridan.edu slash arts. Wrap Plumbing and Heating can handle any job you have, big or small. From new construction to a pesky leaking toilet, the professionals at Wrap Plumbing and Heating are here to assist you. Drippy faucet? Sure. New shower hardware? No problem. Plumbing an entire new house? For sure. Logs that need snaked? Oh yeah. Rap Plumbing and Heating has not met a job they can't handle. Too big a crap? Call Dan Rap at 429-1196. Valentine's Day is here soon. Branded with quality. Shipton's bigger. It's all right here, everything you need. Shipton's what a great time to shop Montana Silversmiths for your sweetheart. Your largest and most complete selection is found at Shipton's Big R. Jewelry, buckles, gifts, plus a lot more. Celebrate treasured moments with Montana Silversmiths and tie them to life events, personal milestones, and love stories. For him, for her, 
earrings, necklaces, bracelets, jewelry sets, money clips, and more. Our entire Montana Silversmith selection is now on sale at 15% off. Rooted in the West with handcrafted detail. Montana Silversmiths for Valentine's Day. Now on sale at Shipton's Big R. The family-friendly company, branded with quality. Sugarland Drive in Sheridan. I'm here with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. I have some good news. Do tell. We have a few Honda Talon 1000 R's in stock. This is a perfect match for riders who like to tackle the rugged, wide-open terrain. And we also have a Honda Pioneer 1000 Deluxe Crew. This is a side-by-side that everyone's waiting for, room for six, and the power to tackle any job. Wow, that's great. And Honda is also offering killer financing on all Honda ATVs and side-by-sides with payments as low as $450 per month. For a great deal, check out Sheridan and power sports today. Okay. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. Since 1973, the Senior Citizen Council, also known as the Hub on Smith, has been providing transportation. There have been some changes, some upgrades, and a few name changes. Now known as Goose Creek Transit, through fixed lines and scheduled pickups, they provide approximately 4,500 rides every month. And here to talk about Goose Creek Transit is their director, Steve Ansley. Good morning, Steve, and welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Uh, Now, how did you originally get involved? with Goose Creek Transit. Uh, where did you come in? Well, I'm, I've been uh, in transit for about uh, 25 years. I started um, on the western side of the state. I worked for the town of Jackson uh, as operations manager for about 10 years. Uh, then I left the state, and I got back here in 2013 when I was hired to go to work for the senior center, which is now, of course, called the Hub on Smith. And so that's... I mean, what got you into transit in the first place? What what was intriguing about that? Is it the logistics? Um, well, actually, my first career was in hospitality management, and uh, I worked for the Grand Teton Lodge Company. I was resident manager at one of their hotels, and um, part of my responsibility there was managing the small um, transportation fleet that they operated, and they did airport pickups, uh, conference uh, uh, transportation, fixed route stuff. They, they had a, a broad spectrum of, of transportation service. And um, uh, I, I decided that I kind of liked the transportation aspect more than the uh, hospitality management <laughs> aspect. <Yeah. laughs> so, so anyway, that's, that's, I made that change, you know, midlife career. And so it's, yeah, been 25 years. Wow. Seems like something that you really like to do. Yeah, I have. I mean, it, it has its, stresses sometimes but generally um it's been an enjoyable job what so if we were to uh look at the the job of director of of an operation like this what are the stresses i mean if if there was a like a challenge that you have to face on average uh every other day every day what would that be is it is it all about time well no no um my drivers are pretty pretty good at showing up and being on time and doing a, a great job. Um, staffing has been a little bit of a thing for us. Uh, 
Currently, we're short a uh, driver and we're short a person in the office, a dispatcher. Um, and and so that's something that I, you know, fret about. I'm, I do all the hiring. Um, the other stuff is, is that I do and concern myself with mostly is the financial end of things, making sure that we have grants um, and that uh, we get reimbursed for those grants. And, um, and I think... That's been my focus. Unfortunately, I've had I got a couple of re- really good people that uh, have taken over a lot of the day to day nuts and bolts of of the operation uh, in the office and in and and vehicle maintenance and operations and training. So that's freed me up quite a bit um, to to concentrate on on getting grants um, and, and working with the FTA and YDOT um, to uh, financially stay sound. Now, I imagine. Uh, this position keeps you pretty busy. You don't get to get out there in the hub and, and talk too much, do you? Or, or is that part of the job? Um, no, I'm, I, I get to work pretty early and I'm, I'm there uh, until at least lunchtime and then uh, um, back in the afternoon for a little while. So um, it, it does keep me pretty busy. Don't get to head out and, and <laughs> sit down and have those long, drawn conversations with folks too often. Yeah, yeah. Well, and in fact, um, uh, up until last year, I, uh, I would jump in a bus from time to time if we were shorthanded. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. But I don't do that anymore. Um, uh, I haven't, um, haven't uh, got enough practice, I guess, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now... Um, Tell us a little bit about the transit itself, uh, a little history behind this, uh, our, our own Goose Creek right here in Sheridan. Yeah, right. Well, as you said uh, at the beginning, um, you know, the Hub on Smith uh, started this door-to-door service way back in about 1973, and they we've been doing that every year. We still do it today. And about three and a half years ago, we started a fixed route, and, um, and so... Uh, that's been very popular. It, it, um, it's the numbers that we put on the fixed route uh, equal um, pretty much the numbers that we do on the door to door with about one fourth of the staff. So wow, yeah, yeah, it's it's nice and and Sheridan lays itself out pretty well for a fixed route. Um, usually, a community of this size pr- wouldn't necessarily be able to support it, but um, we do have a lot of support, and we get and we um, and people see the our riders waiting at bus stops and we hear about that so um it, yeah the fixed route's working out well and it's i'm happy about that what are the operation hours of the fixed route uh first bus leaves the hub on smith at seven and then we have buses every 30 minutes and they'll run this route that's a 55 minute route around town and it and it goes all the way down to the college um all the way up to north maine and then out west to the hospital area, um, and then back down to the to the hub, and they have a five minute layover there, and um, and that's where we'll change drivers. Drivers can take a short break, and then they'll start that lap again. So, so um, we've got thirty eight stops around town, um, and uh, we've got a schedule that uh, if anybody you know wants to use their bus, you just figure out the time that we come by and. It's the same time every 30 minutes, um, so it's pretty easy to use. And currently, anyway, we're fortunate enough to have 
uh, grant, CS uh, Community Services block grant that that allows us to run this fixed route fare free. We oh, wow. we asked yeah. for suggested we asked for donations and we have donation boxes on our on our buses, but um, there yeah there's no fare currently and we hope it will stay that way. Now, and, and this is for everybody. Uh, uh, I know uh, since being the senior center, the Hub on Smith is rebranded. This is more of a community center. And Goose Creek Transit's the same thing. This is more of a community uh, transit. It's, it's not just for seniors. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, when I started in 2013, there was a study that had just been completed by a transit consultant. And one of the recommendations was um, that we change our name. It used to be the Sheridan minibus. And it was pretty well known to be the bus that operated out of the hub on Smith. And so, yes, a lot of people uh, assumed that it was only for seniors. But it's since uh, 2004, I think um, it's been open to the public. And the two different services, it, you know, if you, if you need that door-to-door service, um, you don't have to be a senior, you don't have to be a person with a disability. Um, you just need to call 24 hours in advance the day, the day before. It's not quite 24 hours. By 3 o'clock the day before uh, and schedule a ride, and we'll fit you in, and, and, uh, and a driver will come to your house and take you directly to, uh, you know, whatever appointment you might have. The fixed route, on the other hand, obviously reservations are not required. We don't ask uh, questions about where you're going. We just open the door and let you in and have a seat. And so, you head just like a, a larger metropolis. You just head to the next stop from that point. That's correct. Yeah. Now, when it comes to that, uh, that pickup service, uh, this, and this is something that even I didn't know, you don't need to be a senior or have a disability to take advantage of this. And, and I think a lot of people had that misconception that you had to. So if I've got a doctor's appointment the next day, maybe I live by myself and I think there's no way I'm going to be able to drive. I just give the hub a call, let them know I need uh, a ride at this point, and you'll make sure I get there. Right, right. Yeah, the, the calling in advance, of course, is because we need to be able to schedule. I have uh, usually eight buses out on that service during the day. Wow. So yeah, yeah. That's why you see our buses all over town all the time. Um, so, so yeah, call in advance and that way we can schedule it and, and make sure that we have you on our schedule on a bus that has the free time to come and get you and take you. And then the, the way it works with us is, is we'll get you to your appointment. And, you know, if it's a doctor's appointment, we'll wait until, you uh, call us and tell us you're ready to be picked up, and then we'll send uh, the next available bus. Our, our drivers don't really have the time to sit in the parking lot waiting for an appointment, so they'll, they'll go on to, the, to their next uh, pickup, and whenever um, these, our clients are ready to be picked up, then we'll try to send the next available bus. So usually it's five, ten-minute wait. At, at the longest, I think we've had a 30-minute wait sometimes when we're really busy. Wow, that's a pretty good service. I mean, and and for free. Well, no, no, the the door-to-door service we do charge a fare, yeah. Okay, what yeah. about on average what is that fare? Well, if you're um 60 or over, it's uh 350 and uh, each way, and if you're under 60, it's 550. Now, we just we just had a fare increase in um July, July 1st we raised fares. So, um we, we, we sell discount ticket books um, to save a little bit of money 
um, if you're going outside of the five mile radius from the hub, um, then the fare goes up as well. So, but yeah, plan on it's still uh, you know considerably less than a taxi, and oh yeah, and, and I think the service is is just as good. Absolutely, uh, and and the fare is is not that much, especially nowadays. Which brings me to another question. Yeah, um, these fare increases probably had to be made because of inflation and due to rising gas prices. How has that impacted our our Goose Creek Transit system? Well, uh, it's impacted quite a bit. Um, uh, I write my grants in March for the year that will begin in October. And at last March, you know, gas was four bucks a gallon and going up. And so I put in my budget request, you know, something to cover that. So it's really nice that it's now closer to $3 an hour or a gallon. Um, but uh, we've gotten some great help on that as well. The city of Sheridan has uh, helped us with fuel. Um, they're actually uh, stepped up and they're going to take care of our fuel up to a certain amount uh, this year. And we've also had some generous support from the county as well. So we're getting some some government uh, help on top of um, foundations and other fundraising things that the hub does. Well, that's fantastic because, I mean, if we really think about it, uh, the service that you're providing, uh, the service of sitting down and writing all these grants, I mean, in a way, you're saving how much money for the city, for the local governments, who would have to go off and fund their own public transportation system to get this type of service. Who knows what that would cost? Right. Well, I've worked at, I think this is my fifth transit agency, and it's the only place I've worked where the public transit wasn't part of municipal government. Um and, but with this door, you know, it was door-to-door service, and that's, in Wyoming anyway, uh, typically something done by community uh, senior centers. Um, but fixed route, I think we're the only ones in the state that, that are doing a fixed route out of the senior center. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, there was a, another study done in 2016, um, and we were looking at different types of uh, um management models and and um, one of them uh, suggestion was maybe city government would do it but but the other we ultimately decided that we'll continue to run it out of the hub on Smith because people feel like we're doing a pretty good job and there's no need to you know change horses in midstream <laughs> well I'll tell you what Steve I would agree hundred percent on that uh, I hear about people who actually take Goose Creek Transit here and uh, even you know, let me know. I've, I've had uh, local government officials say, you know what, I use this system every every chance I get. Uh, they they talk it up when they're in here. You guys provide an excellent service uh, and one that would cost us way too much if, if we were to just depend upon the taxpayers. So I want to thank you and thank you for coming in today and speaking with me about the Goose Creek Transit. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared.
Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Downtown Sheridan Association is receiving these funds for a random draw. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Legacy Diamond and Gems is so thankful for your patronage in 2022, making it their most successful year ever. Striving for excellence at Legacy Diamond and Gems is always their top priority, and they are taking important steps this year to improve their overall efficiency and preparing for their complete store remodel. They are improving their service with new store hours, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, and 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. Close Sundays and Mondays, Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. We're heating things up this month at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Hi, Kurt Smith here. We're giving away $2,000 in Sheridan Commercial Company gift cards, and you don't want to miss out. We'll give away $200 in gift cards each day for 10 days. We'll start the giveaways on Monday, February 13th. Come in and register now. In fact, you can come in and register every day. You can't win if you don't sign up. No purchase necessary. We're giving away $2,000 in gift cards this month. Sign up now. The Sheridan Commercial Company at 303 Broadway. Open seven days a week. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. The app is now the only place you can earn My McDonald's reward points on every McDelivery order. Plus, you can get those free McDonald's rewards you earn delivered, too. Just order, relax, and enjoy. McDonald's will bring your faves to you. Just go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving. Download it now. McDonald's, Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Attention bull buyers, Powder River Angus will be offering 100-plus pap-tested urine Angus bulls on February 10th at Buffalo Livestock Marketing in Buffalo, Wyoming. The sale starts at 1 with lunch at 11. Take advantage of superior genetics, many Cavanese bulls, free wintering, and free delivery. Visit PowderRiverAngus.com for catalog and sale information. And remember, these are bulls that are born and raised where corn don't grow. Advocacy and Resource Center's 6th Annual Love Shouldn't Hurt fundraiser is February 17th. The doors at the Ramada open at 6 p.m. Come be entertained by the fun pianos dueling pianos and finish the evening with sidetrack. Tickets are available at the center, 136 Caffeine, or at the door. $60 a ticket or $100 for two. For more information, call 672-7471 or check out our Facebook page. Wyoming Corporate Office Studio on 103.9 FM and News Talk 930. K-R-O-B.